This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots and helping them reach their aviation career goals. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here's your host, Carl Valeri. Aviation Careers Podcast, Episode 1. Welcome to Aviation Careers Podcast, why you should choose an aviation career, interview with an expatriate pilot flying overseas, recommended products or services. My name is Carl Valeri and I blog at expertaviator.com. There's been much discussion in the news about the pending pilot shortage. Is this pilot shortage, which has been promoted amongst the aviation career websites, media, and the flight schools, a real problem? This podcast will discuss information concerning the upcoming pilot shortage, your training options, why you should look towards a career in aviation, the various aviation careers available, the best course of action to achieve your goals. Before we get started, let me introduce myself and tell you why I started this podcast. I'm an airline captain and flight instructor. I write articles at my blog, expertaviator.com, concentrating on four subjects, learning to fly, living the aviation lifestyle, pursuing an aviation career, and explaining technical concepts for all to understand. I have over 10 years' experience assisting unemployed pilots finding new flying jobs and, in some cases, helping pilots decide on the possibility of a career change. I have worked with over a 1,000 pilots and have assisted in brokering interviews with numerous airlines in the United States and throughout the world. I have discovered some great informational resources for aviation careers. Additionally, I have seen some few poor resources. Some information can be confusing and at times misleading. I have created Aviation Careers Podcast to assist you in determining which path is best for reaching your aviation career goals. So let's get started. To truly be successful, you should pursue a career that will fulfill your inner sense of purpose. Once you understand your purpose and why you have chosen your career, you must start down the path towards your goal with the flexibility and anticipation to change course often. If you keep your eye on the goal, choosing the correct path becomes easier. You will soon know whether your path is leading you closer or further away from your career goal. I hope this podcast will help you define your goal with more clarity and reach your aviation career goal. Your goal may be one day teaching people how to fly. It might be flying passengers around the world in a large and sophisticated jet. It might be maintaining or building airplanes. Maybe you want to write about aviation. You may want to pursue a part-time career in aviation. Whatever path you choose in aviation, I hope you find this podcast helpful. Each episode will include three main segments. The first, career advice and answers to listeners' emails. Interviews with aviation professionals, including pilots, mechanics, and recruiters. And recommended aviation career products and services. Instead of telling you why you should pursue a career in aviation, let me tell you why I chose a flying and flight instructing as my career goal. Maybe in my discussion you will find something that interests you. 
I had an interest in aviation and flying from a young age, but it was not until someone motivated me to pursue the dream of actually flying a plane that headed down that path towards a career in aviation. It's been a varied and exciting road to where I am today, but I have always enjoyed the journey. The primary reason I fly is to see the world from a unique perspective. For me, the world is always wonderful from the air. Dirty and dilapidated cities take on a new light from the air. The unique things I have seen from the air include the Grand Canyon, Niagara Falls, the green flowing northern lights, and the Washington Monument through my left window as I pass below its top as I'm landing, and some of the most incredible sunrises and sunsets. My second reason is the challenge. Every landing is different because the winds are never the same. One of the greatest challenges is flying in areas of weather such as thunderstorms, ice, and fog. There's a sense of accomplishment when you take this aerial vehicle in through the air, find a runway amidst the thick fog, and land with precision. Other aspects of aviation challenge our intellect, such as planning our route around weather, choosing the safest route over terrain, and dealing with mechanical problems. At times I welcome the challenge when something breaks on the plane and then landing safely after a major system failure. I truly have a sense of accomplishment knowing that if I wasn't there to guide the plane safely, to the ground, things may have been different, or ended differently. If you ask me, what is the number one thing that causes me to fly? I would tell you that it's the beauty of seeing the world from an amazing and exciting perspective. If you want to see the world from this perspective, I hope you will at least take a flight in a small plane, fly over some place you know or some place you have always wanted to see. This new perspective in life might motivate you to become a pilot. Well, in this episode, I talked to a really interesting pilot. I spoke with Handel Wellington, who is also very excited about flying and the wonderful adventures it brings to our life. Handel is an expatriate flying overseas and has some very interesting things to relate about flying around the world. Handel also is one of the pilots who conducts interviews for the airline he flies for. I think you'll find it interesting and helpful to listen to him as he discusses things you should and should not do. Today I'm with Handel Wellington. Hi, Handel. Hello, Carl. Uh, it's great uh, that you could visit with us today. And uh, just uh, curious, where, where are you today? Uh, today I'm in Tbilisi, Georgia, former, uh, former union of the Soviet Union, USSR. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And uh, now... The, uh, you're there on an overnight with the people that you work with right now, and uh, today we want to talk a little bit about uh, flying overseas. Most of our audience is curious what it's what it's like to be a, an expatriate flying overseas and uh, in, say, Africa, Middle East, Asia, and uh, we're really excited to have you here. For for people that, uh, just to give you a background, Handel and I actually flew together years ago and worked for the same company for a little while, and then he, uh, he moved on, and, uh, you you know, people know my background in flying. I, I love flying. I fly at work, and I fly on my days off. And when I'm not doing that, actually, I'm here talking about it. So, Handel, what what is your background? Where did you start flying, and, and how did you get interested in it? Well, I started, uh, had an interest in aviation at an early age. Uh, I'd say maybe a little bit uh, 
less than 12, maybe 9 to 12. And uh, started when I was in Jamaica, which is my hometown. I'm originally from Jamaica. I'm currently a U.S. citizen. Uh, went to a college in Jamaica called West uh, Northern Caribbean University, where I later transferred to a college in Washington State called Walla Walla College, which is where I continued my degree in civil engineering, but I found my passion uh, for aviation there. And then I chose to switch my careers, pursued my uh, career in aviation and obtained a bachelor's degree there. Once I left, I got into, uh, it was shortly after September 11th. So um, it was a pretty difficult, challenging time. So I got a job as a loadmaster with Arrow Air out of Miami International, flying on the L-1011s and the DC-8s as a loadmaster to South America, Central America, and the Caribbean. After that, uh, it was a little bit difficult for me to move on um, into the first officer and the captain position as I wasn't yet a U.S. citizen. So I decided to continue my career where I went back, got my flight instructor ratings, and I taught at Pan Am International Flight Training Academy out of Fort Pierce, Florida. I moved on from there, flew Convair's cargo for DHL. Um, was actually with Air Tahoma. We flew contracts for DHL out of uh, Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Memphis into um, Cincinnati, Covington International Airport. And uh, once I got done with the cargo, I moved on to the regional flying for Express Jet Airlines. Then after I left there, I was privileged to get an opportunity to fly Airbuses with uh, Spirit Airlines based out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, actually Miramar, Florida. And I was based in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Unfortunately, in 2008, I was furloughed and uh, had to start looking for another job in aviation. I got an opportunity to fly again with another airlines called Compass Airlines. It's actually a part of Northwest Airlink, now Delta Connection, and I was based out of Memphis International, flying the Embraer 175. Did that for about a year or so, then I moved on, and now I'm an expatriate pilot living and working overseas, traveling to different con- uh, continents and seeing the world. Wow, that and that's an that's an exciting venture. Wow, you've had you've had quite a bit ex- of experience. You started at a very young age, and and you've you've come so far, and and uh, it seems like it was a tough journey there for a while with uh, what happened with September 11th and all. And before we start talking about uh, being an expat flying over. Overseas, I'd like to ask you a little bit uh, about some of the experiences you had. You, uh, you know, worked at Compass, worked at some of the regionals. Uh, you also mentioned a thing called a loadmaster. For our listeners, wh- what exactly is a loadmaster again? Actually, a loadmaster um, at the time with Arrow Air. Um they are no longer uh, operating as far as I understand. But the position of a loadmaster, your responsibility is to do the, uh, once you get to the, uh, you actually fly with the airplane. There are some station loadmasters, but mine was actually the one that you flew with the airplane. And your responsibility started when you landed in any of the destinations where you did the calculation of for the weight and balance for the pallets for the loading and offloading of the cargo on and off the aircrafts. And you're responsible for, you know, hazmat, the location, the loading, and uh, checking all the different documents to make sure that they were also in compliance with the regulations. 
but your primary responsibility was to make sure that you did the weight and balance for all the loads and the caric loading, especially where hazmat and for to prevent also for correct loading for tail strike awareness on the loading if you weren't careful with this sort of stuff you could actually sit the aircraft on its tail while it was loaded (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh now is that a position that people would do as a career be a load master for their for their whole uh, career uh, yeah, there were actually some who are professional load masters. I mean, it was just an opportunity that presented itself when a friend of my dad, his name is Leon Henry, he actually was um, a flight engineer, professional flight engineer. My, my dad spoke with him. It was a time after September 11th, unable to find a job. And he was very helpful to get me a job as a load master um, with his airline there at the time. And, um, uh, I, you know, it, it worked out that um, it kept me in the air flying, but not where I wanted to be. So I had to adjust and go back to being a flight instructor to get where I, where I am today. Well, that and that happens a lot in our careers is that we we choose this path and and it's varied. It has a lot of forks in the road and it's usually not a straight path. And and gosh, you know, a lot of times we don't realize that we're going to take that other path and we're going to keep moving forward. But you kept yourself in the the industry. And, you know, I give you credit. And having flown with you, one of the things that that I really enjoyed doing when I, when flying with you is, is just talking about aviation because you you truly do have that passion for it. And that's. Uh, you know, it's a breath of fresh air, uh, especially right now with the uh, things that are tough in the industry. But what's happening is is uh, things are starting to move a little bit and people are starting to hire. Uh, the airline that you work for is actually doing very well. So let's let's talk a little bit about flying overseas and, and being an expat. Of course, we're not going to talk about the, the airline that you specifically that you work for, but in general. And if people do want to uh, learn more about flying for this airline or flying overseas, they want to get more information, they can actually contact me. Uh, I'll even have them contact you on an individual basis. Does that sound good, Hando? Sure. They can get in touch with you and then uh, you can forward or we can uh, work it out. That's no problem. Great. Now, how did, you know, one of the things that goes through my mind is how does someone find out about flying overseas? I mean, how did you you even hear about this company? It was, uh, interestingly enough, after I was furloughed, I had an Airbus type rating. I ended up needing to look for a job. So uh, at the time, there wasn't much jobs here locally. And so I decided to look in, look overseas, a friend of mine, Andrew Kundell, he and I were um, sim partners and uh, we, we both um, were looking at opportunities to keep our career going and to keep ourselves in the sky and to uh, continue to make money um, so we could uh, survive and pay our bills. So we looked to the international market and we started to do some research. That's where it um, one thing led to another and you found out about one airlines and then you found out about another and you realized that, wait, there's a really an opportunity and a wide market for, for you, especially if you have an Airbus type rating. If you don't, it's still not a problem. But, uh, that really sparked my interest. Uh, then I started to look more in depth. And the company you work for now is actually the company that hired you that uh, you don't work as a contractor, right? You're actually hired with this company. 
That's correct. Okay. Uh, it's a full time. Yes. Gotcha. Because you know a lot of folks look at some of these contract jobs also, but you were you were uh, hired directly there. Now, one of the things that seems intimidating to to me, and I, I'm sure some of the listeners is, you know, what do I what do I have to do first of all before I get hired? Do I need any specific licenses to fly overseas? Is there anything new that I need to do? Well, from a recruitment standpoint, a lot of them require you to have a full ATP, which is what you would have as a captain in the United States. You having just a commercial license with a second in command type rating will not be sufficient for our company and a lot of uh, other companies to gain employment because they actually require either a full ATP or a JAA license, which is uh, a frozen ATPL, either a full ATPL or a frozen ATPL. And that's from the JAA side, which is the Joint Aviation Authority. It's basically the European equivalent of the FAA. What the frozen ATPL, it's basically your commercial license, but you would have completed a series of approximately 14 uh, different written exams to go along with your commercial license that is considered, once you've completed that, you then obtain a frozen ATPL. Now, how do you go about that? Who does that? That is something that you would have to look into in Europe. I've heard that they may have some places in the U.S. that do the conversion, but I I am not sure. If you are in the U.S., the, the best way to go about it is to get the ATP. How did you go about getting your JA? Well, I had a full ATPL um, okay. prior to prior to um, obtaining employment overseas. This this sounds really exciting. I mean, you're in Tbilisi and Georgia, and uh, now you're overseas flying. The process of the interview it sounds like it's not much different than here in the U.S. Do you go overseas to do the interview, or do you, can you stay here in the U.S. to, to visit with certain companies that, uh, that interview overseas? Well, it will depend on uh, which carrier you're looking to gain employment with. A lot of them will have either roadshows or job fairs or, you know, information session or different sort of things. So depending on what or career fairs, depending on what the airline has, sometimes they will be doing interviews in the States or different parts of the world. If they are not conducting interviews and it's just an information session, you would probably have to attend the interview session at their home base. When you finally do get hired, how's the training process? Is it similar to working for, say, a Part 121 in the United States? Uh, Yes, it's very much uh, similar. It's similar. You do have your ground school sessions and then you have your uh, simulator sessions and uh, upon completion you'll do your, your check ride and then you do your line training and uh, once you've completed your line training the only difference is where the line training is concerned it's actually they go by sectors a lot of places in um, this region of the world they go by we call them legs in the states like uh, for example um, Washington Dulles to to Newark, that would be considered one leg. And in the States, we do it by hours, 25 hours to be checked out. For your IOE here, they do it by sectors. So um, that's the the slight difference that I've noticed. Um, But the training is very much similar. Um, It's very thorough, so it may take 
um, roughly about the same time, if not uh, maybe a little bit longer, just to make sure that uh, all areas are covered. Um, shouldn't be too much different for someone coming from the States to, to fit in. Going back to getting hired with an airline overseas and the company you work for, actually, uh, you do some interviewing for, and what should somebody prepare for for an interview with a company overseas? In other words, what uh, what should what questions should they be prepared to be asked? And also, you know, what what type of paperwork do you think they should have prepared before they even come to an interview? Preparation is the key. Yes, I do do uh, interviews for. Um, my airline, we, we, you know, preparation is the key. They'll have to do their homework, which will involve uh, using the internet, finding the resources that are currently out there. Different airlines will require different materials. So the, the best way I would suggest is to read up on the company, find out what their interview process entails and what material they ut- they utilize for their interviews, some of them have books, uh, you know, that will help you to complete. Because a lot of them, for example, ours is a three-phase interview process. You know, you have written exam, one-on-one interview, simulator session. So these are things you want to be uh, abreast of prior to um, showing up for an interview. And this, you can primarily receive this from doing some research online. So now, you know, basically it's similar to what, what we're looking at here in the U.S. The other process is trying to make a decision as to whether you, as the, the person to applying, wants to work overseas. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let me ask you a few questions there. I'm here in the United States. My family's in the United States, and I'm thinking about flying overseas because it really sounds exciting. Uh, we talked offline before. You go to, like, you're in the Mideast, Asia, Africa, Europe, all these different cultures that you get to see and religions, and, and it's just, it really could just broaden your horizons tremendously. You're actually, you're there looking at this on overnights. If I'm thinking of going over there, I want to also be able to see my family here in the U.S., which is a bit of a concern. If someone tells you that, you know, I want to, I want to be able to see my family every so often, what would you tell them? Well, it, um, unfortunately, where I am, we do not have a commuting contract. Um, it depends on where you want to work because different airlines have different different um, opportunities, um, some that will work best for you, some that may not work best for you. So it will, it will all depend on what that individual wants to achieve for their career and for their personal life. If they want to be able to work for a certain time period, say, for example, one week off, one week off, on, or four weeks on, two weeks off, then they might want to look into getting a job that it has offers a commuting contract. On the other hand, if they're in a situation where they're able to move to a, a new region and get established, stabilized, and move their family overseas where they'll have their family with them in this new environment, then they should look into, I would recommend them looking in, into a job that offers a long-term stability, a job and not just a commuting contract. So it, it would all depend on what exactly they want, which will determine whether they take a, a full-time job or a commuting contract. Now, that commuting contract, that's where we're talking about a contract pilot where they tell you, okay, every so often you can go home and we'll fly you home, but you're not actually a full-time employee. That's correct, right? I do not know very much about the commuting contracts, um, but I believe that you are 
fully employed. However, you are on a contract, which would be, say, for example, three years. And at the end of a three-year period, you may be able to renew the contract or not. Let's look at it from another standpoint. You want to live overseas and you want to come back to the U.S. How do people normally do that? In other words, if you want to go see your friends in Miami, what do you do personally? Uh, well, you do have a substantial amount of vacation time, so you can utilize that time frame to, to travel the world or see your family and friends. For example, at our company, we have approximately 42 days of vacation per year. So I think that should be sufficient for you to um, go back and forth from time to time throughout the year. That's pretty good, actually, 42 days. That's, that's great. Folks that are actually there, are the, I, I assume they're really happy and, and enjoy flying overseas. Is that something that you would you say is, is correct? I'm certainly one of those who are very happy <laughs> and enjoying it. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. And that's what you have to do. You have to find that job that you, you really, really enjoy. Now, with your travel, just going back to that, can can you travel on other airlines? Like, you know, in the U.S., they have like Zed fares and they have jump seat privileges. Do you have those type of things with the airline you're with? And do you know if the other ones overseas do that? Uh, yes, we do have uh, Zed fares and we have um, ID nineties. Okay, and that that's actually enabling you to fly at a much reduced rate. Most airlines have that, so you really do get to travel quite often. And a lot of airlines, and I know some pilots that are in the U.S. and live in Europe and and commute back and forth. It would be the same type of situation there, just in reverse. And these people make it work, but they're not going to be home every week or every weekend or every other week. I usually and and you can put your input in here also. I usually recommend to people that if you're going to go work over move to that location, but know that you're going to travel with your family back to the U.S. and make those plans. That's what, correct. What, is that what you usually do? That is uh, what I would highly suggest. Um, if they do want to move overseas, bring their family with them. That will make their life incredibly easier. And uh, then when they're on their vacation time or their time off, they can then go back and forth with their family back to the States. Gosh, this is some really great information. Now, let me ask you a little bit about what countries have you been to? You know, what type of things about their cultures have you learned that are unique? You know, is there anything new that you've you've learned since you've been with this company? Oh, goodness. Um, yes, I have uh, definitely been to a, a few different countries and learned uh, a lot about different countries and cultures that are unique. Uh, to answer your first question, I've been to um, places in Europe. I've been to Vienna, Berlin, Venice, Stuttgart. I'll just go randomly. I'll pull them uh, Moscow, um, Tehran, uh, Seychelles, Kathmandu, India, <laughs> lots of destinations, Colombo, Sri Lanka, Nairobi, Kenya, Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. Beirut, Lebanon, Damascus, Syria, Istanbul, Turkey, Ankara, Cairo, Egypt, Luxor, Egypt, Benghazi, Libya, wow. <laughs> um, Karachi, Pakistan, um, so many. Um, wow. It's several. <laughs> and uh, from, from all these different destinations, what I can tell you is each one of them are unique. And each one of them... Uh, presents a unique and special opportunity for you to learn and appreciate uh, different cultures, different backgrounds, different religions, different uh, perspective and viewpoints, to which I'm incredibly grateful for this immense opportunity to 
have a broader perspective on the rest of the world. It's very inspiring to hear you say that. And for the, our listeners that are, are thinking of getting into airline flying, this is definitely a great opportunity for them to, to really to, to branch out and learn so much about different cultures and, and living overseas. And um, j- just all those places that you just mentioned, I'm sitting here looking at a map saying, wow, uh, I would love to just see those places. But what's neat is you actually get to see those places and you stay overnight and you can go out exploring. You said today in, in Tbilisi. I mean, I've, I have a friend that's from there and I've always wanted to go there. And I, I say to myself, gosh, I don't know if I'll ever be able to get there. And you're there, you're hanging out and you're looking at the city. That's terrific. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I would trade places with you right now if I could. Uh, oh, is I it know. cold right now? Let's see. You're in no, place. it's no, no. Uh, it's not very cold. I believe it's a, maybe about, uh, I'd say maybe 18 degrees or so. Celsius, it's uh, or twenty. It's not very cold at all. No, that's not bad at all. Gosh, yeah. You know, this has been terrific. Is there anything more you'd like to tell our listeners, possibly before we wrap up here, about uh, going overseas and and flying overseas and maybe the process there and just anything in general you'd like to just relate to them? Yeah, just be uh, do do some research on uh, whatever airline it is that you would like to be a part of and be open minded to the rest of of the world because it's a big broad world out there <laughs> and approach it with an open and welcoming perspective you know just just dream big it's a big wide world and uh, there are many opportunities out there so um, it's yours for the taking each person is able to uh, live the dream and I encourage each person to aim for the skies you know, Handel, it, I missed flying with you, and, and uh, you know, you never know in this uh, wide aviation career and world, we might be flying together. People have gone separate ways and wind up in the same cockpit again later on. So, it's true. <laughs> so you never know. This is true. <laughs> And I would welcome the opportunity to fly with you again, my friend. You're yes. truly a gentleman and a scholar, and I miss flying with you as well. That's <laughs> flattering. If you are interested in flying overseas or you have any more questions for Handel, you can send that those questions to me. My email is carl at expertaviator.com. You can find me at my blog, expertaviator.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Again, Feel free to ask. I'll pass along that information. If you're at all reticent about going overseas, I hope that this conversation has inspired you to possibly look at it in more depth. And like Handel said, do your research. It may not be for you, but when you start doing your research, you might say to yourself, wow, this is really cool. This is something I want to do. And Handel, I just can't thank you enough for being here. It's been inspirational for me and for our listeners, and it's been very informative. And we'd love to have you on again sometime, or or, uh, maybe if we could send some emails your way and as you're you're jetting around the world you know following all these different cultures we'd love to do that certainly my pleasure uh, captain carl not a problem i would welcome that opportunity again to be on your show well that was a great interview with handel wellington i hope you've learned a lot from him in closing this podcast one of the things that uh, i like to do is always recommend a product or service well the first thing i'm going to recommend in this episode is the podcast that I am co-host of, the Stuck Mike Avcast, where we talk about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. The other co-hosts, Victoria, Len, and Rick, have a variety of aviation experiences, so I encourage you to listen to the semi-monthly show. A listener asked, what are the pros and cons of flying for fun versus flying for work? In episode 17 of the Stuck Mike Avcast, Flying for Fun versus Flying for Hire, we answer the listener's questions. 
There are many opinions on the internet and aviation forums, some from disgruntled airline pilots, others from passionate aviators looking to fly heavy iron. Both Len and I are airline pilots, and Rick and Victoria fly for pleasure. The group discussion about the contrast of flying for fun and flying for a living are very interesting. You can view the show notes of this and click to that show, episode 17 of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this and I hope you've learned something. I look forward to talking to you in our next issue. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact me at the website aviationcareerspodcast.com. You can also reach me at my aviation blog, expertaviator.com, and that's the same on Twitter and Facebook. At Aviation Careers Podcast, we hope we can help you define your dream and start living your dream. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler, All Rights Reserved.